Hi, I'm Julia Carolyn Zeng and this is SEO in 2023. Julia, what's your number one SEO tip for 2023? My number one SEO tip for the coming year is to look more for intent when you create content. So not so much, this is my keyword, this is what I write. Really ask the question, what is the intent behind this keyword? What is somebody really trying to find out when they type a certain word into a search engine? Okay, okay. So how do you go about defining what intent is? By looking at the search results. Looking at the search results, okay. So you don't rely on a software tool? Well, I, I, I do. Try to initially identify keywords, I use the, the standard tools. I'm not sure how many I'm allowed to mention now here in this context. You can mention <laughs> anyone you want, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so Majestic, Ahrefs are usually my go-to tools, sometimes Keyword Planner. It depends on who the client is in the industry. And then I identify the keywords, but then I put them into Google to see, okay, what does Google bring up for this keyword? What really is the intent? What is the question that is behind this keyword? Because somebody typing a keyword in Google, they're not, in most cases, they're not looking for that particular word. There is a question that they want answered. And the search results um, can already give you a lot of information what your content should be about. You can look at the title text that are displayed there, the meta descriptions, any featured snippets, the people also ask boxes. All these are hints that Google is giving you as to what Google understands behind this keyword and thinks the best answer is for somebody searching with this particular word. And then you can get um, good ideas already what your content should be about to fulfill that intent to answer the question. So the, the reason I ask about how you go about selecting that intent is some software tools will make a guess on yeah. what that intent is. But, but are you, I know you're not a fan of, of that. Do you, do you believe that manually doing it will be higher quality? Yes, so you can start classifying if a tool tells you already this is information intent, this is transactional intent. These things, um, you, you can already classify your keywords. For example, this is the content that should sit in a, in a glossary because that's all informational content. This is for product pages because it's all transactional. But if it, if it then comes to actually writing the content, or in my case, how I do it is I create a content brief for a writer. I don't write myself. But when it comes to that stage, it is important to look at the actual search results to see what is the question here for product pages less so than for, for longer text content to really understand what is the information that needs to be provided on this page. It's not about using the keyword hundreds of times anymore. It's really about what is the searcher trying to find out and is that content actually answering that question. And if it does that, you can rank that content without even mentioning the actual keyword if you meet the intent and provide the answer. So you can actually target a keyword without incorporating a keyword in text? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, you can. I mean, it's still, I always say when I brief somebody is we want to make it easy for Google to understand what your content is about. That's, that's in my opinion, what it's more about these days. Make it easier for Google. So all these things like structured data and so on, even if they're not displayed, like if you have the greatest FAQ schema on your page and then, yeah, but it's not displayed in Google. I hear this quite often from clients. I'm like, yes, but still, it helps Google to understand that this is a question answer type content and it might appear in certain contexts and it helps you 
rank better because it just makes it easier for Google to assign a, an overall topic and what the content really is about how it's structured. Same with like bullet point lists, for example, all these things. So I still recommend using the main keyword, for example, in the title tag, in the H1 and so on but for that purpose to just make it a bit more obvious what it is about. But if you wouldn't mention it at all, it depends again on competitiveness and which industry it is and so on. But if you don't mention the keyword at all, you can still rank that content if you meet the intent. A few other things you mentioned. Um, you mentioned writing a content brief for a writer. Um, so I'd like to dive into a little bit more depth in terms of what you include in that content brief. But also, you also talked about navigational and informational intent. Are there other buckets of intent that you also advise? The commercial one. So is this a keyword where somebody is ready to buy a product? Because that means the, the page that should rank for that keyword needs to make it easy for the user to actually buy. <laughs> Otherwise it won't rank. Like I've, I've seen it pages where, where there's, there's not even a buy option and so on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so on, so that these things are, it's like, what is the user trying to do? And do you still send him through three or five more clicks to actually get to the point where they can buy the product? Or is this, here's a page, here's your product, this is the information, put it in your basket and here's your checkout. So again, also for the user, it should be easy and straightforward. Yeah, I didn't want to completely mention standard types of intent because yeah. perhaps you yeah. may have a slightly different way of, 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 of looking at it. Um, there's also like a transactional as well, I guess, yeah. as well. Searchers intending yeah. to complete an action or, or, or purchase as well. What about this copy brief, this content brief? Uh, what do you incorporate in this to try to ensure that the content writer targets the correct intent? So I usually give a little summary in a usually a bullet point list where I say these are the paragraphs that should be on the page, these are the things um, you should mention. Then I include something with like, we should have FAQs on this page, or if it's not necessary, then I don't mention it. I do this by looking at what comes up in the search results, what are the top ranking pages doing, what, what are the types of subtopics. I also give the writer usually keywords, but it's not just one keyword that I give them. I give them all the, the keywords that are kind of synonyms or that should be targeted on the page. So that could be a long tail keyword where the answer is just answered in one sentence or one short paragraph, where I say we can add this on this page because there is a thing like passage indexing now in Google, where Google pulls out one paragraph out of your content and displays that in Google. And when you click on it, it brings you directly to that paragraph. So we don't need to create a separate page for something that is answered in one sentence. So we can include this on a page where it fits in topically. So all these things I, I tell a writer in this brief, these are the paragraphs that should be there. Here are the, the keywords, use them as inspiration, not so much as you have to use all these words on the page. I also give some competitor examples, so pages that are ranking for these keywords that I think are good examples for what I want the content to be. And then in the end, the content that this writer is creating is kind of a bit of a mix of what the top competitors are doing and something else where I think this could be useful here. This can be examples of images or graphs that somebody else has where I say, yeah, this is, this is really useful here. Or if I already expect this piece of content to become quite long, then I tell a writer, I want a table of contents at the top, at the beginning, early on, so that we can add these page jump links. Again, also this with passage indexing, it's not really necessary anymore for SEO, but I again think it makes it easier for Google to understand the structure and which 
passages to take out for passage indexing and all these things. Brilliant. And do you give an indication as to the kind of length that you may expect? Or is that just not important for you? Should the writer just write what they feel was the correct length? The, the latter. So I usually don't give word counts. Unless somebody really needs a word count, Some, sometimes it's a client says, yeah, but we need the word count so that we can pay the writer or that we know how, how much we have on the, on the PO and so on. So for, for payment terms, they sometimes need a word count. And then I just take an average of what I see, how are the competing pages doing it and say, let me know if you need more. And then I take a look and we see, but usually if I can avoid it, I don't give a word count because A, I don't want a writer to feel that they need to fill more words if they've said what they need to say in the content. And I also don't want a writer to have to cut it short at certain points. Sometimes it's, yeah, I want to add two more sentences here to really explain this, but now I need to cut words and that's that's not not what we're trying to achieve and usually I've never experienced that content became super long or super short if if there is a detailed brief with what I want and the, the writers so far I'm, I'm getting great feedback from them that they know exactly what is expected what they should write and it works quite well this way. Do you ever map multiple f- intents to a single keyword and try and deliver on on multiple intents on a single page? No, I I try to deliver on multiple keywords if the keywords have the same intent, but not really multiple intents. So if the intent becomes different, then it should be a different page. Is it possible for a keyword, a singular keyword to have multiple intents? And if so, to try to rank for those keywords in separate pages? That happens as well. And this is a thing that comes up where I think in SEO, we need to redefine how we define keyword cannibalization, because I sometimes see it with clients where where they say, yeah, oh, here I use this, this tool that tracks my rankings and I see constantly the pages swapping. And you mentioned this thing, keyword cannibalization. Is this what's happening here? And I'm like, it kind of is. But if you think about who is the person searching for that keyword, it could be in this circumstance, it could be in that circumstance, what are they really trying to find? And then it is actually sometimes a good thing that Google swaps out different pages just to match the intent in that case more because the, the search engine, it's its a bit, um, people are concerned about data and so on, but Google knows so much about the individual that is searching that it knows where is this person? What is this person doing? What are their personal circumstances? What have they been searching for before so if they now type in this question they probably want to see something a bit more in depth or a different facet of a certain topic and then google decides to display a different page and then it looks in your data as if there's keyword cannibalization but it's not really because the intent is different even though the word might be the same i mean it's it's language one word can have different meanings and people can can be after different things and this is the same with like click-through rates for example I had a client a few weeks ago who asked me oh, can you look through our click-through rates that we see here in Google search console and see what we can improve and then I looked at the data and was like well those keywords where your click-through rate is not good or does look bad on paper are actually keywords where Google provides the answer in the search results you see this with these featured snippets answer boxes and so on somebody just needs a definition or standard example wants to find the age of an actor that is displayed in the knowledge graph 
you don't even need to click on anything anymore to get this. And of course, for these keywords, the click-through rate will always be a bit lower than for other keywords. But what I then say to my clients, it is still brand visibility. If you get that featured snippet, the reader or the user um, in front of that search engine will still notice who is this person giving me here this answer and it's displayed in small letters and it's it's still a good thing. So it's not it does not mean to not go after these keywords. You, you mentioned click-through rate a number of times there. Is that the best KPI for measuring how well you're doing at serving intent? No, because of um, these things that some keywords don't even require a click anymore to get the answer. The one good indication is to look at, at bounce rates. Also there is always the, the question, what is somebody really trying to find? And then of course, um, conversions, all these numbers together. So again, also when we're analyzing the data, we need to think about this, what was the reason why did somebody come to the page? Of course, when I have a product page where I try to sell something, it's very obvious that the measurement should be, did I make the sale? Or did somebody sign up for my newsletter? Like the, the conversion numbers, they're a good indicator. But again, here we need to, and there, there um, it helps to have these content groupings. For example, everything that is informational, where I say, this is my bucket of informational keywords. I have here, for example, a glossary on this website. And all this traffic is not intended to purchase anything. They're so early in the funnel that I just want to get them to my website. I want this brand visibility. Maybe I have a newsletter sign up here maybe not always depends on what each individual business is doing and it's really it's a lot of marketing psychology is involved to really understand what does the person want why did they come here and does the data suggest that they found what they were looking for or does the data suggest that we're doing something wrong so you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? Something that SEO yeah. shouldn't be doing in 2023. So yeah, we already mentioned the keyword cannibalization. And in, in lack of a better word for it, I still call it keyword cannibalization because what I see quite often on websites is that they have in the past created the same type of content, things that meet the same intent. They were just thinking about a different person. Like one client of mine, for example, a software product, they were trying to map one page to somebody in HR who might need this product and then somebody in C-level and then the line manager who also might need this product. Where I'm like, well, they, in the end, they all have the same question. It's a problem of internal communication. You don't need to create a separate page for SEO for all these different personas if the question, the intent behind it is the same. So this is something I would really advise everybody who has a website to stop doing is publishing five times the same piece of content that delivers the same answer because that, that is then the keyword cannibalization we're trying to avoid. Julia Caroline Zhang is a freelance SEO consultant and you can find her over at charlieonthemove.com. Julia, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2023. Thank you for having me. Get your copy of SEO in 2023, the book, over at seoin2023.com. Hold up. 